Welcome to another episode of Odyssey and Muse. I'm John Jerko, and this is a podcast where we explore adventure, creativity, and living life without a map. Every week, we talk to filmmakers, adventure junkies, writers, musicians, vagabonds, people that veer off the beaten path. We dig into topics like how to execute ambitious projects, overcome extreme obstacles, and find the things that drive you. Find your true north. Hey everyone, welcome to a special episode of Odyssey and Muse. It's another mini episode where we check in with people that are about to embark on or in the middle of an adventure around the world. Today I'm talking again with Russ McCoy of Man Bike World. I talked to Russ about a month ago and he's now in the midst of his third bicycle tour, this time on the Great Divide Mountain Bike Trail. So if you missed part one, go back and listen to that first, but if you're caught up, let's continue on. Excited to hear how it's been going. Welcome to the show, Russ. How, how are you? Hey, hey, hey! How's it going? Good to t- good to talk to you again. It's been a while. Yeah, you've survived so far. Um, when did you leave? Is it has it been about a month or a little more now? It's been. Let's see. I, I'm getting my dates mixed up, but I left. Um, I started this trip on July 27th. Okay, today is August so, yeah. 28th. So yeah, I'm right. sorry. On July t- July 25th. That's right. Okay, just over a month then. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you're you're making it. Where are you at right now? So I'm I'm in Rollins, Rollins, Wyoming, right now, which is um, a, around halfway. So we're me and the little group I'm with is is halfway through. Cool. Before we dig in, I want to kind of go through you know where you're at on the tour and how it's been going. But can you just give like a really brief overview of what the whole tour is and what what the plan was originally, just for anyone that's kind of tuning in and not going back and listening to the other episode? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So. Uh, Last year when I was completing my um, tour coming back from Mexico, I started thinking about um, future ideas. And one thing I was thinking about was this Great Divide mountain bike route, which is um, it runs from Banff, Canada to um, Antelope Wells, New Mexico. It's uh, 2,765 miles. It's um, basically follows attempts to follow the Continental Divide. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a climbing, climbing route. It's got about... 180,000 vertical feet of climbing and um, I was considering it but I was just not you know as apprehensive because I was I didn't have anybody that I could really go with and my bicycle is really not optimized for off-roading but um, when I started digging into it I thought you know what I'm just going to go ahead and give it a try so I kind of modified my bicycle setup for with more aggressive tires and a a lighter setup and um I just basically, when I couldn't find a group or another person to go with, I just set off on my own. <laughs> yeah, it's always hard to get people to commit like, you know, two or three months to just heading out into the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and for me, I have I had major anxieties about bears and I have anxiety about um, just, you know, the things, you know, just getting hurt yeah. out in the middle of nowhere, things like that. I definitely want to address all of those, but let's start from the beginning. When you took off and flew to Banff on the 25th, I'm guessing? Yeah, I found, you know, I looked at so many different options. I was going to hitchhike or I was going to ride my bike or I was going to rent a car or take a bus. And turns out that there was a really, really cheap flight to just fly from Albuquerque to Calgary. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I took a shuttle from Calgary to Banff. And I stayed at the uh, YWCA hostel there for a couple of days to kind of get oriented and get stocked up. Nice. How did all the gear pull through? Would you have to box everything up for the airplane? This time I did. You know, in the past, I've this is my second time with my bicycle. The first time I wrapped it in plastic from Mazatlan to Albuquerque, and that worked good. 
Uh, this time I boxed it up because that's what the airline required. Mm-hmm. So it actually came out fine. You know, I was, although I was overweight and oversized and I had to pay a little extra for the, you know, for on the flight, it, yeah. it actually yeah, worked out just Yeah, you weren't physically overweight. It was just your bicycle was overweight. <laughs> <laughs> I w- yeah, I was actually overweight. I was trying to eat as much <laughs> as I could and gain weight before this trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you knew you were going to start burning some calories there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when you were in Banff, did you kind of mosey around, talk to people, get an idea of how the trail was looking up ahead? The, the cool thing about the the hostel there in Banff is that um, a lot of the hiker biker hikers or bikers or people that are um, trying to do low budget traveling end up staying there. So mm-hmm. I came across a couple of guys that were uh, getting ready to to head south on the Great Divide mountain bike route and and just got some tips and um, I did not have any. You know how we would always talk to people and try to get some advance notice of what's coming up the trail yeah. and. And that just didn't happen, you know, because, you know, when you head south, there's nobody really coming north. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's not a lot of people. It's pretty much a one-way north. street. It, it really is. <laughs> I know you got some advice on, or maybe you just decided to do this, but you ended up getting some bear spray, which kind of leads into a couple of stories, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how'd you end up deciding to buy that bear spray in the end? Well, it, I've seen, I've been around a lot of bears in New Mexico, mm-hmm. black bears, um, but I was still super apprehensive about grizzlies. And on my animal bucket list, I've never seen a grizzly. I've never seen a mountain lion. There's just animals that are on that are that I haven't checked off the bucket list yet, but but have high anxiety for seeing. <laughs> so um, I uh, was originally not gonna take anything you know i'm thinking you know black bears they you know they're very they've got a predictable sort of behavior but i ended up finding out by just by um watching a video that i'd a week before i left i watched this video from this behavior expert about grizzly bear behavior and Mm -hmm. uh, he his recommendation was bear spray so i you know you can't take bear spray on the plane so i had heard a rumor that a bike shop in Banff um, sometimes had leftover bear spray from northbounders or hikers that were getting ready to fly out that couldn't take it on the plane with them. So I actually swung by there, and sure enough, there was a free can of bear spray sitting there. So I just grabbed it and stuck it on the bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Because what normally they cost close to fifty bucks or something for one of those big cans. Yeah, it was yeah forty bucks, and I was just so happy to have it. Yeah, go into the first couple of days because that's kind of when the <laughs> the bear spray became needed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I most people wear it on their waist, you know, so it's always with you. I I didn't have I couldn't figure out a place to put it because it didn't it didn't come with a holster. So what I did was I just sort of I had a I found a carabiner and I sort of just um, had it on the back rack of my bicycle, just mm-hmm. there on the back. So. Um, the first day out of Banff, which I mean, number one, you got to understand that that route out of Canada is has got the highest population density of grizzly bears <laughs> in North America. <laughs> so, welcome um, to grizzly country. Huh? <laughs> seriously, so um, I had been seeing closures at the at the first night campground that I stayed at. They had areas of their campground roped off with um caution tape and i thought oh yeah that's just because they don't want to go clean up that area of the park and Mm -hmm. (laughs) i um that second morning when i woke up i got up early and there were people milling around walking their dogs and and this is a an organized 
campground. It's a fully furnished campground yeah. and, that I'm staying at. And there are people walking their dogs, walking around, going to the bathroom, dumping their garbage. And I headed out at 8, 8 a.m. after a, a rainstorm. And I'm just just barely getting, you know, 100 yards out of my campsite. And I see this little baby grizzly cub on the road <laughs> running across the road and i thought that is so cute and then i real and then i realized i wonder where the mom is yeah and she the mom the mother grizzly was standing across the road from me probably 50 yards away just giving me the the evilest stink eye <laughs> oh, wow. that you, <laughs> she was definitely on high alert uh-huh. and i got off my bike and it didn't even occur to me to get the bear spray bear spray i was so elated and and happy to see a grizzly bear that I didn't even think to get the bear spray out or the camera or anything because it had been raining. So I'm standing there, and luckily she kind of went back to milling around and eating grass on the side of the road, and the cub, you know, and her kind of walked away. And this is like, you know, she's walking past the tents. <laughs> in the <laughs> in campground. The campground <laughs> in the campground. So uh, I, it was it was a super, super high moment. Um I, I pedaled another half an hour or so, and I got my camera out after things dried up, and I got ready um, to take pictures for the day. Um, so I, I, I had to go up and over a big pass called Elk Pass, which which is a big climb out of the campground where I was. And mm-hmm. I descended down the other side, and as I rounded a corner, there's a male, a male grizzly standing in the road. And <laughs> I, I thought, okay, I've got my bear spray now, and I've got my camera, so... I, and it was downhill, so I couldn't go back, and I couldn't get past it. So I stopped in the road, put my bike on the kickstand, and I got the camera and the spray out, and I started taking pictures because it was sort of just milling around on the side of the road, yeah. lumbering around just eating grass and weeds. And I was completely shocked when it turned and started coming towards me. It didn't get excited. It just changed directions and started milling its way towards me. <laughs> I couldn't. I could not believe that this animal was not afraid of me. And I thought, I'm trying to remember from the video, am I supposed to yell at it? Am I supposed to talk to it? I couldn't remember. (laughs) You don't want to do the wrong thing. (laughs) Yeah, I thought, I don't want to, I don't want to do something to to have it like completely change its behavior and go into attack mode because I didn't, I don't know anything about grizzlies. So anyway, it got, the other thing that crossed my mind was I thought, and this is close. It's like 20 feet away at this point. And I'm looking at its nails, and I thought, those nails don't look functional at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of doing one of those uh, – it had the look in its eye like a dog does when it's trying to sneak into the kitchen and doesn't want to get caught. So mm-hmm. I thought it's kind of just being curious, and it's sort of smelling you know, me and the, the new smells. Is this food over and, here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I realized – because I'm 20 miles away from anything. I'm out in the middle of nowhere, and I could tell it really wanted to go after my bicycle. So then I thought, man, I've got it. I think I'm going to have to spray this thing. And when it got about 10 feet away, I was like, uh, go away, grizzly. And when it didn't go away, um, I sprayed, and I missed. I hit the ground in front of it. <laughs> and <laughs> Just thought, didn't have a very oh, big arc to it? or It comes out in a big, foggy stream, and it's very loud. And I thought, oh, no, that's unfortunate. I missed. (laughs) And uh, but luckily it sort of hopped off to the right and it just went back to the side of the road and started eating grass again. And I kind of just stood there for a couple of minutes until where where it sort of milled past me. And 
I got on my bike and slowly coasted away, and <laughs> that's when the anxiety hit me, and I sort of started having one of those holy moly moments, yeah, yeah. you know? The adrenaline <laughs> finally settled in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So after that, have you seen any bears on the on the trail at all? I haven't seen any more. I've um, talked to people that have seen them, and uh, I've seen a lot of very, very fresh sign. Yeah. Um, and and we're we're way out of grizzly country now, um, and uh, we're now into more back into going to be getting back into black bear country. Mm-hmm. But um, the guys that I'm traveling with are luckily still carrying bear spray because three days later after I or four days later after I sprayed that one grizzly, my uh, bear spray ruptured up under the saddle of my bicycle and sprayed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw the the picture of the punctured can, and man, that uh, oh, that, that, that had to be not... entertaining. Like if you were standing in the woods about 20 yards away, that would have been a fun yeah. sight to see. But <laughs> getting sprayed in the face, how did that how did that feel? Did you get get it in your eyes and? Well, it, luckily the wind was blowing the other way and I realized that cause it was spraying me kind of under the back of my thigh and, uh, it just started burning really bad on my skin and, <laughs> and, uh, I just, I got off the bike and I tried to untie the knots that was holding the can and mm-hmm. got it off the bike and threw it on the ground. And then the wind changed directions. I don't know if you've ever, um, burned chili or chili pods in the oven or, but that, that's it's kind of the sensation. Safe it's basically the same thing yeah and the it wasn't a problem that day so much as it's been a problem ever since including still like when i um have to get into my saddle pack to get into my tools it like reactivates that capsaicin and i start coughing again <laughs> so i'm carrying <laughs> carrying it with me every time you go to get something you start hacking <laughs> every, every time every single time <laughs> how how did your body adjust to those first few days? What was what were the climbs like? Were you doing a lot of a lot of altitude? I was doing I was probably doing more than I should have, more miles and more intensity that yeah, first day. I, I, I do remember up. you saying like you you were doing like two days of the book or whatever at a time there for a while, weren't you? Yeah, the book was calling for a thirty mile day, and I ended up doing like a sixty mile day the first day. <laughs> I think it was, it was, you know, it was just, I was really excited to be out there. It's yeah. beautiful taking pictures and moving along. And, um, we've, you know, I was alone for my, by myself for, what was it? Maybe a week. And then I met a group of guys who I was originally going to join, trying to join with them. Um, it was a, a group organized by a, a guy named Peter from France uh-huh. who put, put together a little group of guys and he had, he had a full low a uh, full roster of guys so i wasn't able to join them originally but when i set off two days before they did i was sort of figuring you know maybe we might cross paths and we did a week later so i joined up with them so there there was a group of four of us um, oh, that's cool. that have now that have now been traveling south neat so what what's that experience like you know between traveling solo and and then just kind of running into people and hanging out with them. I mean, what's, what are the differences, I guess? And do you, do you like kind of just meeting random people? I mean, for me, that's part of the fun, I think. I, I, I had mentally prepared to, to not be able to ride with anybody. And I don't know if I had, if I was still solo, I'm not so sure that I would feel as confident to complete this thing as I am now. It's, um, we've been going through some stuff that is so remote and some of the, it's tough. It's been really tough. And so 
just to have the momentum of a group of guys mm-hmm. that are all struggling at the you know the same way really helps a lot. So there, you know, I mean, when I traveled alone, you have, you know, there's some benefits to being alone because you can do all of your do whatever you want basically. If you feel like you need a short day, then you take a short day. But you know, with the group, I think I have the highest probability of finishing this thing. And then of course, the safety factor is kind of obvious, you know. Yeah. What's it been like in terms of terrain over, where have you gone? You've gone through Montana, Idaho, now you're in Wyoming. What's kind of the change of the terrain and the uh, the amount of days, I guess, you've been out wild camping versus um, staying in camp, real campgrounds or hostels and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, BC up in Canada, I think it's a couple hundred miles that we do, and I think it's a four-day transition from British Columbia into Montana. Mm-hmm. And British Columbia is just... It's just amazing, just big, solid rock, rocky mountains. Um, wow. The altitude's not super high. You know, it's only from four to six thousand feet are the highest peaks, but they're just solid rock, and it's <laughs> things are just things are just massive. Um, so the climbs are, and, and things are carved out by old old glaciers. So the, the, there are steep climbs, and there was a lot of single track. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to actually like see out. Yeah, because you know, you're kind of you're kind of just in the trees all the time. Montana, Montana was just hard. Montana, <laughs> I don't know. They say New Mexico is going to be hard, but um, Montana was hard, and uh, there was a lot of single track. There was there was a big piece where we pushed our bikes a mile and a half just just up this oh, brutal wow. single track trail. It was just crazy hard. And what does single track big, mean? It's just like a, a tiny trail that just the bicycle can really fit down, or yeah, it's just just wide. It's just a hiking trail. So, okay. most of the time we've been on like forest roads that are actually, you know, numbered forest roads. So it's a double track, two tire tracks, and sometimes they're actually, a lot of times it's actually an improved road where they came in and put gravel on it. Oh, nice. So you know that's what we've been on lately here in Wyoming. It's mostly um, improved forest roads, and in some cases the, you know, the dirt is packed so solid it feels like asphalt but montana was mostly just climbing up mountains and <laughs> big big mountains big mountains up and down a lot we've been doing three thousand foot days four thousand feet days we did a five thousand six thousand foot vertical day which is wow. which it gets hard after a couple of thousand vertical feet a day and you know the over the course of 50 miles we've been averaging 50 miles a day and doing about three thousand vertical feet a day and then as we sort of left southern Montana and transitioned into Wyoming, it's it's the big thing about Wyoming has been the, you know, the the epic Great Divide Basin, you know, which is the place the place on the Continental Divide where water just sort of accumulates and doesn't flow in either direction. Oh, cool. So it's just it's there's a lot of lot of nothing. Lots of pronghorns, some wild horses, cows everywhere. <laughs> Is it swampy and wet there too? No, it's very, very dry, and that becomes the challenge. Is uh, uh, it, there is a it was a 220 mile stretch of of Great Divide Basin without services and very limited water was the rumor. Yeah, and we found, and I mean, you can't you can't challenge the rumor. So we were prepared for having no water. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I mean, once a day water that had to be filtered. So we stayed at the first night we stayed at a, 
um, an established well where water was flowing and we could filter it. And then the second night, which was a long ways away, we got to a, a small reservoir that had some water in it. We could filter water there. But, you know, those transitions were lots of rolling prairie with with nothing more than 12 inches high, you know, growing off the off the ground. Yeah. How much water do you have to carry with you? Or how much can you carry, I guess? And, like, how far can you get with it? Has it been pretty pretty hot out there lately? We were, we were lucky. I think we were very, very fortunate because it wasn't that hot. I mean, we had the first day, I think the highs were like in the low 60s. And then the, the next couple of days, the highs were probably in the 70s. That's not bad. Um, the wind was not bad, which the, the wind is the wind is supposed to be pretty epic here. <laughs> and we've been lucky about it. And then um, there's been more water than we thought. And you know, the cooler temperatures and when you're not struggling as much, you don't have to drink and drink as much water. So yeah. I can carry, although I can carry probably six liters without adding bottles. Um, I, I loaded up with as much water as I could carry, but I only ended up drinking about half of it and, um, did just fine. Yeah. That's not bad. So what are, what are some of the cool sites you've seen on the way? What are some of your favorite, favorite areas? Oh, there, there's, man, I just wish I could go through the pictures. I've, I've taken over 1600 pictures already <laughs> and, uh, there, there are so many things to see. Like, I don't know, day before yesterday, we were, the four of us were pedaling along sort of in this area with a lot of wild horses. And, uh, I was at the back end, you know, we get spread out over the course of a couple miles. So yeah. me and this other guy, Mike sort of hang out in the back and, um, I had stopped to take some pictures of wild horses. There was a small group of six of them and the stallion in that group saw Mike ahead of me and they made up a big ruckus and took off running straight at him. Oh, wow. And, um, this, you know, the stallion is leading his little band of mares and they're running straight at Mike on his bicycle. And, uh, he saw it. It was so funny. And then when they got close to him, they sort of just paralleled him for about half a mile along the side of this oh, road. Wow, it was crazy. Neat. So I'm in the back taking pictures of that. That was really cool. And just, um, we see pronghorn and, um, the sunsets. We've had some pretty cool sunsets and sunrises. Um, scenery is just, you know, you know, you know, like, uh, when you go down the Pacific coast highway, you could basically pull over every 50 yards and take another postcard uh. sort of shot. <laughs> It's kind of like that, so I have to. Oh wow! I have to force myself to just keep moving instead of taking a lot of pictures. Yeah, spend the whole day standing around taking shots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got pretty close to the Tetons too, right? Yeah, we actually uh, we we crossed we crossed the Tetons. I got to see them from both sides. I got to see them from the west side. Um, there was forest fires in the area, and so one of the days it was really smoky. And then we crossed over to the uh, east side of the Tetons and got to um, from the north end mm -hmm. and got to uh, sort of see the smoky Tetons. <laughs> and then we and then we moved away to the east. So what was cool was that morning we left the Tetons, um, it cleared up quite a bit. So we got this really cool view of the sun coming up and hitting the Tetons as we moved to the east. And every rise that we got to, we got to see a little bit, you know, higher view of the Tetons sort of fading in the background as we went east. Yeah. Yeah, that's just a beautiful mountain range. I feel like every time I see pictures of it, it just 
hard to hard to not get a good shot. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Did you end up near Yellowstone? I, I remember you were seeing some of your posts where you were thinking you might get diverted into the one end of it because of some forest fires. Did that we end up heard, happening? Well, we met we met a um, a father daughter pair from Great Britain, I think it was, who for some reason they were telling us that they had taken a diverted route. And so we were like, what? That uh, We hadn't heard anything about a diversion mm-hmm. or a reroute. So when we did the research, we found that there was no reroutes from fires. But we ended up, um, we didn't go through Yellowstone. We sort of went um, to the west of Yellowstone okay. between and then crossed between Yellowstone and the Tetons. And uh, we ended up actually traveling through a burn area that had burned the, um, three weeks earlier, big forest fire. Oh, wow. What was that like? It was crazy. You know, smoky. You could still smell the burning. There was still a lot of smoldering smoke, and it had burned, I don't know, 1,000 acres or something. Wow. So now, we're, now luckily, we're, you know, we're south of the fires. So I just kept thinking, man, it would be nice if these fires could die down. They got them under control, and we sort of got ahead of them, and the winds are, you know, they're they're bad, but they're not as bad as they've been in the past. So luckily things are, are not actively burning that much anymore. Yeah. Do you have any word of anything up ahead at all? No. Um, you know, we're getting ready to go into Colorado tomorrow. Let's see tomorrow. I think we cross into Colorado and, you know, we're going to be out of the prairies and quickly put thrust back into the mountains. (laughs) (laughs) So, but I haven't heard of any, you know, we've met, we meet like maybe one person a week that is coming northbound Mm -hmm. and um, nobody's saying anything about fires or reroutes. That's good to hear. I think that the monsoons are really strong. I heard from friends in Albuquerque that were down there in New Mexico, at least the monsoons are really heavy this year. So, you know, fires don't have too much of a chance when yeah. there's daily deluge. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun to run it into. Uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about that Barbara's cyclist only cabin that you came across. That seemed like a pretty neat little experience. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I follow the um, Adventure Cycling Association maps, and I've also got this book by Michael McCoy called Cycling the Great Divide Mountain Bike Route, which is sort of a day by day, mile by mile. Um, turn by turn narr- with narrative book to follow. You know, we just call, everybody just calls it the book. <laughs> just, just like they did when we were cycling down the Pacific yeah, Coast Highway. It's the Bible. But, um, yeah, it, it really is. And uh, so I look at the maps and I look at the book and I, and then we come up with a plan. But there was, before I met these guys I'm traveling with now, um, there was on the route, there was this little, icon that showed you know like a little roof over a bicycle and when you looked at it it said you know barbara and had her last name and had her phone number you know she has a cyclist only cabin and call for reservations and luckily i was in a place where i actually had a signal on my cell phone so i was like you know what that's the timing's good i'm getting tired i think i'm just gonna call her up and see if i can stay there and she said that uh nobody had reserved the the cabin for that night. So when I rode to her place after getting lost, <laughs> I, uh, I was able to, um, stay at her cabin two nights. And that's when I came across the group, the guys that I'm with now, but she, that her story is interesting. Cause she's not an active touring cyclist. She doesn't mm-hmm. tour her, um, 
a guy that she knows, a friend of hers, is is a touring cyclist, but she has been living in this in this place, um, kind of in the foothills of these Montana mountains, um, for 30 years. And when her neighbor was going through a divorce, she liked this little cabin that he had on his property, so she bought it and moved it to her property. And for some reason, she put two and two together and started seeing all these great divide cyclists coming. Mm-hmm on the road past her house and she decided to make it exclusively a cyclist only cabin. And she, I mean, she goes over and above because yeah. when I showed up <laughs> an hour later, she brought over a bunch of M and M's and food and wine and beer <laughs> wow. and, and, uh, water. And, uh, and then she said, we don't like to bother anybody that's in the cabin. So we're going to leave now. And she just, you know, it was just this really cool experience oh, wow. hanging out it, at her it cabin. It looked like a beautiful little cabin. I mean, it was kind of fancy. <laughs> It was pretty. It was nice. It was. It had no running water, no power. It was everything's battery operated and with candles. But um, it was to me like heaven for two days as I re- recuperated, recovered. Yeah. So have you had any gear issues other than the bear spray explosion? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's see. I uh, I have had. Let's see. I had a sidewall failure on a tire. Well, I had a flat, and I don't know how I got it, but. Um, it went flat. I was able to just change the tube, and then I repatched the tube and got that going again. But then a couple of days later, I had a sidewall failure that it didn't cause the tire to go flat, but for some reason, and I don't remember it happening, I've got this little um, half-inch cut gash in the side of the sidewall. So um, luckily, Mike, the guy I'm traveling with, is super prepared, and he had um, an emergency boot that you can put in there, which is just a kind of an adhesive bandage that you, mm-hmm. you put on the inside of the tire and that kept things together until I was able to buy a new tire. And then let's see what else. Um, my, I popped a screw off of one of the hooks for my panniers, but I was able to just, luckily the nut, I found the nut and I was able to just put it back together. So that's sort of holding. Cause you, I mean, it's imagine going down, you know, a single track where everything's just bouncing, yeah, trying to true. go down it technical mountain bike trail and then we ride on a lot of washboardy roads uh so everything everything's just getting jostled all rattled over. yeah everything everything you know, like i um everything's got to be wrapped in cushion you know like including like vitamins and including like <laughs> just everything's got to be wrapped otherwise it just gets shaken to death you you got a new tent too didn't you didn't your tent kind of finally oh the tent the, dust the tent fail i forgot that about the tent <laughs> yeah <laughs> I've been I've been having zipper problems from our tour, and it just got worse last year. And finally, my zippers were failing. So, and I mean, it would take me ten, literally ten minutes to zip a zipper closed just to get the teeth, get the little teeth to <laughs> engage. So, uh, so I ordered um, a new tent from REI and had it general delivery to me along the route. And it's I am so happy with it now. It's so roomy and. It's heavy. It's yeah. more weight on the bike, but boy, it's like a palace inside there. I feel like the those zippers are always the first thing to go. I don't know. Someone needs to invent some kind of new system. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Didn't you mention too that you were having maybe just like was a short while that it happened, but you had a little bit of saddle issues where you were just I don't know getting sore from riding, just because you were w- going too much. You think or. I think, and and I've had saddle sores before, and and it's, to me, it's just for me. Um, there's no silver bullet to, to cure yeah. it. I mean, the guys that I ride with them, that I ride with, don't have the problem at all. And I just think it's a, it's a person by person thing. But I, I have the, the susceptibility. So the more 
either the longer I spend in the saddle or the more intense riding I have or the more bouncy it is, it just aggravates. Yeah. So right now it's just sort of a low-lying sort of there as long as I keep the number of riding hours, you know, five or six hours a day, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. How about any, like, special moments on the ride? Is there anything else? You talked about the bears and kind of just meeting up with people and some of the sites. Is there anything else that just kind of happened that was just kind of serendipitous or coincidence? Oh, let's see. Let's see. We were uh, – you know, so much happens. It's like I need to, like, (laughs) review – you know how it is. Something happens every day that's spectacular. But um, it, um, we met a couple of guys day before yesterday on the route that were uh, just kind of hanging out on the side of the road, this abandoned paved road. They were just eating lunch, sitting in these lawn chairs. And we pulled over and started talking to them. And um, I, don't, I don't know when I've ever had a tastier apple or a peach, but they gave us an apple and a peach each. And we've been, I mean, you got to understand we've been eating ramen and we've been eating um, oatmeal. <laughs> we have not had fresh fruit in, in days. <laughs> and so to get, to get that was just the tastiest thing ever. And just to hang out and talk with those guys was so cool. That's cool. Um, that just, uh, that happened. That was recent. And, and so much happens. I just can't remember all of it, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like you still run into quite a few like friendly or, or helping people out there on the trails, even though you're a lot more isolated than say on the Pacific Highway? Well, one of the guys that um, is in the group that I'm with, um, I think it was in week one of his trip. Maybe it was just a few days into it. He mm-hmm. his aluminum frame on his bicycle broke. It actually like broke Ooh, <laughs> the well. Week the one. Weld snap. <laughs> The week the the weld snapped right at the um, chainstay and the bottom bracket, and I mean this is in, out in the middle of nowhere. So they said, and this is all you know secondhand. They said that within minutes a truck came around a corner and they were able to get a ride to a town where it just so happened that there was a guy that welds aluminum, <laughs> um, and he he decided to give it a try and he was able to weld that chainstay back onto the bottom bracket. And he's been riding with that ever since, and it's holding. Oh, that's cool. You know, and he was, you know, without that, which is the probability of finding a, an aluminum welder that's going to do a good enough weld on an aluminum bike frame to where it will survive the brutality that we subject these bikes to is just almost, yeah, uh, you know, impossible luck. to imagine. <laughs> it was pure luck, and 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 it just worked. You know, yeah. it, everything, all the planets lined up, and he got his bike <laughs> fixed. And he, and he salvaged his, his ride. That's a good story. <laughs> How about your recording, doing some video, and you've been using, what, iPadio? Um, how's all that been going compared to, you know, the way you posted before? Are you kind of happy with the amount of stuff you're able to get out there? Anything you kind of wish you had that you didn't bring? I, you know, and I, I in the past, I've, I've done copious amounts of socialized social media <laughs> barraging yeah. <laughs> I've done I've done you know minute videos here on YouTube all the time and now this trip I just didn't have I don't have the the time or energy or you know the 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 equipment to do it so I just settled on doing I do some daily notes at the end of the day in my tent mm-hmm. just to keep track of the all the the data like the the mileage and the vertical and the altitude we camped at and some notes on what happened during the day 
And then I take pictures with a small camera that I keep on my top tube. Um, and then I really like iPadio. That thing is it's just a, such a cool app because I can record um, a little sort of one-sided podcast thing. Um, it stores it in the camera till I find Wi-Fi, and then it uploads it and automatically puts it on my Facebook page. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then people, I think people are more likely to listen to something than they are to read something or watch something. Yeah. So I think people tend to listen to that quite a bit. So I can just, although I'm not talking to anybody, I just do sort of offhand my thoughts of the day and what happened. And, and it's and it's been working really good. Talk about the Facebook streaming thing you've been doing. That's that's kind of neat too, which I think you're about to do here pretty soon after we're done recording. Yeah, yeah. It, um, Facebook, before I set off on my on my trip this time, I think a month before, Facebook had activated that live video feature. And um, I've been using it. It's, it's pretty cool. You need, you need a pretty good bandwidth connection, you know, like we have now. And I just fire it up. It's real simple. And it gives me a, um, a live video, live video channel. And it shows me the comments or it shows me who logs in to watch and it shows me their comments if they type a comment and mm-hmm. it also shows me the the um, volume of the audience so um and it's live so once i'm done it then turns it into just an archive video that they can watch later but it's it's pretty fun yeah it is pretty neat <clears throat> is it like a separate app from facebook that you download to use it it's right it's it's right in facebook you know right oh, okay. next to where you where you say status update or i'm going to upload a video or mm-hmm. i'm going to upload a picture there's a little icon called live video yeah it's it's been pretty cool i think i actually caught one of them and then i've watched some of the archived ones and it's definitely a neat way to connect with people and stay in touch on the road it's fun and you know i'm trying i'm trying to get i'm trying to make it more interesting because in the past what i've done is just sort of sit there and let them stare at my face while i talk <laughs> but that can't be that interesting so i'm trying to i'm trying to spice it up a little bit and try to figure out how to how to include you know other pictures they can look at or or just things yeah you know things that we go through on this trip so uh what are the next few days looking like where are you guys heading to so we're we're losing one of our guys the guy that broke his frame he is and I think he, um, he might have caught like the um, he might might have got a seed planted in his head of that he wasn't going to be able to complete the journey in the time that he had allotted. So I think mm-hmm. that that festered and grew, and so he decided to conclude his tour. So he's headed out tomorrow to go to Denver and fly back to Great Britain. Um, so there will be three of us, and we're we're talking about the next we're. we're trying to get to steamboat springs to a bicycle shop for peter the the organizer of the of the group to uh, buy some more tires and in order to get there it's 135 miles and there are no services between here and there (laughs) um so we need to figure out and then there's some pretty monster climbs we cross the continental divide we're already up to continental divide crossing number 14 and we will do a couple more of those but now once we hit in colorado we're going to start crossing 9,000, 10,000 feet. Ooh, that's and that's going it, it is. And, you know, I start worrying about the weather and, you know, just the climb, the intensity. and yeah, Getting that high, you know, too, gotta, I'm sure, just in terms of the amount of oxygen out there, it probably makes it tougher to ride. Yeah, we're going to – that's what we were talking about is because I'm the only one that's from anything other than sea level, basically. <laughs> <laughs> You're the only one with the advantage. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. These these guys are strong riders. They're very strong. 
So what's the kind of general plan to finish out the trip then after you get to Steamboat and then head on through Colorado down into New Mexico? Yeah, we're, like I said, we were at, we're at halfway right now. So we're 1400 miles into 2700 mile tour. And, um, I think it's going to be another 12 or 15 days to get to New Mexico, Colorado border. Mm -hmm. And then another 12 days past that to get to the, to the end. And so I think we are looking like we'll get finished around the end of September sometime. Okay, cool. That's so maybe a little bit less than a month or a month at the most. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Well, really enjoyed catching up with you. I don't want to keep you too much longer here. Yeah, it's it's been great. I, it's uh, yeah, it's nice to hear from you, and it's kind of cool. It's nice that we have a good Wi-Fi connection. Yeah, so this is a nice talk. one, actually. Really nice. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you're looking forward to before the end of the trip? Any sights you want to see? Um, I'm just you know we I just go like day by day. So you know I try to stay open to whatever is coming our way. So I don't. I don't get into the mode of future thinking what's coming mm-hmm. down the road. I just, I just keep pedaling and I'm, I'm kind of, ang- I've got anxiety about, you know, the monsoonal storms up at high altitude and, um, we've got some issues with water in New Mexico, I know, but you know, we'll, we'll get through it. You know, we're, it's, it's just, uh, keep pedaling. Like Mike says, slow and sure. <laughs> <laughs> Solve the problem as they come, I guess. Seriously. Yeah. That's exactly right. All right. Well, any final words? No, just good talking. Good talking to you, and um, certainly we can do we can do an update whenever you want to do another update again, anytime. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd definitely like to catch you at least at the the end of the trip and kind of do a final review of how everything went. Sounds good. All right, Russ, and everyone can follow you. Best place still is on Facebook, Man Bike World. Yeah, Man Bike World on Facebook. Cool. Make sure to keep in touch and keep up with the posts good deal all right good talking to you we'll talk to you later all right take care thanks for listening you can follow me john jerko at john jerko on twitter and instagram and find out more about odyssey and news including the show notes for each episode at odysseyandmuse.com we now have a separate odyssey and news instagram feed where we'll be posting audio teasers for each episode along with photos from our guests on the website i'm including three to five takeaways for each episode so you can get some value out of what we covered at a glance. Remember, you can find us on all of your favorite platforms like SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Folks, we spend hours every week preparing for the show, editing interviews, and putting together bonus content for you to enjoy. If you like what we're doing, we would love your support. You can now donate a small amount to us one time or monthly by going to the website and clicking donate. Even a couple dollars goes a long way. You can pay for a coffee that keeps us sane for the week, or keep our web hosting bills paid up. Most importantly, please take a couple of minutes to go to iTunes to subscribe and rate the show. It's the only way the show gets noticed in this world of never-ending content. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, follow your true north.